You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Good evening, Sid Talk. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yes, that's the shortest podcast ever. The, uh, <laughs> See you next week. About three seconds long. <laughs> well, to warn everyone, when we like a movie, sometimes we talk less about it. Uh, sometimes so this we might talk end up more being short. I don't we know. I disagree. Like last you week, you might, but I don't know. Last week, when we talked about Knives Out, it was particularly short, even though we liked it. True. That's what I'm saying. The more we like it, the less, the more I want people just to watch a thing. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because what was the before the after the show discussion? Not much. Was it about the coronavirus? It was not. So we kind of got straight into it. I'm doing my own little thing here, planting some seeds in the kitchen. You were doing some stuff. I was making some fruit. Didn't really have much of a discussion. We did not. So let's get into the uh, <laughs> podcast so we can make it really only three minutes long. Okay. <laughs> That would be so disappointing. I hate it when podcasts and videos are like super short when I'm used to them being longer. I'm very demanding. I don't even watch YouTube YouTube videos if they're three minutes long, even if it's from somebody I like. I kind of do that too. It depends on the topic because, you know, they might be talking about something I like. But yeah, I do the same thing. I like beefy ones. (laughs) Beefy, even though I'm vegetarian. All right, so it is Saturday, March the 7th. This is after the show number 624. We're looking at a movie this week like we do every week. And this week's movie is Uncut Gems. It's a 2019 release. Comes out on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, March the 10th. You can pick it up. I think you can pick it up on digital now. It's rated R. It's got a lot of swearing in this movie. Mm-hmm. And... um it's from our friends at Lionsgate who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk. Oh, I don't actually have the copy in front of me. Why? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wasn't there at the, the inception of your organization. All right, I just had to go on a little adventure to go and find the case. So, Sid Talk, give us your synopsis of Uncut Gems. My synopsis is a guy has a problem with I don't know what, gambling and feeling alive and he messes with big money with like diamonds and uncut gems and gambling and basketball and it's crazy. Is that what the box says? (laughs) The box says. I'm pretty close, I'm pretty sure. A charismatic jeweler, Adam Sandler, makes a high stakes bet that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. In a precarious high wire act, He must balance business with his family, fending off adversaries on all sides in pursuit of the ultimate win. Or adversaries. Yes. Or adversaries, if you (laughs) prefer. Adversaries? I don't even believe that's how you say it. Yes, we do. No, no, no. But what's another topic? That's pretty close to mine. Mine was just a little less refined than that. Yeah. 
So, um, Uncut Gems is the best movie of the year. Are you saying that or are you reading that off a box? <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it can't... Well, it's the best movie I have seen... I, personally, have seen this year. This year, even though it's a movie from last year. You, but need, it isn't print, you need to print out a label and stick that on the box. So I mean, at least the box says that. Exactly that. <laughs> it, this is the best movie I've seen this year, even though it's a movie from last year. <laughs> That's actually... But it's quote. only March, so... Um, it was... Um, Everything I wanted from a movie. Thank you. The end. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. When you really love something, it's hard without telling someone just watch it and then see what you think. I mean, it's difficult. But. I'm go- we're going to dive into this. There are going to be spoilers. So if you've not seen it, I recommend really highly that you go and see it and then come back and listen to what we have to say. But definitely come back. Don't go and watch it and then think. Forget about us. Forget yeah. them. Don't you forget about us. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. Okay. So just, you, it happens every time I hear that phrase. That's I'm from the it. 80s. It's what it is. All right. So um, Uncut Gems. It is. I Why just, do you love it so much? First, um, start there. A, as soon as it started and it has this kind of like dreamy sequence you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. um with this awesome synth music that sounded like it comes out of a john carpenter movie from the 70s and i was like oh this isn't what i was expecting like after looking at i only i only got a reference of the cover of this movie which is a picture of adam sandler with a bloody nose so i'm like oh is this an artistic thing you know i was thinking terence malick immediately sure is, this, is it something like that? Something really... And then it settles into the story. And as it settles into the story, the way it is filmed, the sound design, and the dialogue of the characters, instantly, are, it makes me nervous, like an anxious. All, like, from the opening sequence where he's, he's just walking into work, and he works in a jewelry store, he owns a jeweler, a jeweler yeah. office store thing. One, One of those, those like high roller jewelry yeah. places. It's which, all locked up and shit where you can't get in. Yeah, and they're not. It's not exactly like luxurious looking though, is it? It's mm. kind of like low rent looking. But all it's got, of them look that way. But they've got fancy stuff inside there, yeah. and it obviously attracts certain people. Rich people, yeah. people with a lot of money who want to spend a lot of. And money. right off the bat, it's it, you know you can tell it's secure. There's bulletproof glass, and it's like a two door situation that you have to go through to get in there so right off the bat and it makes this noise every time it opens and that noise keeps going off and there's a lot of talking people yabbering at each other like it is in real life when you walk in a store and everybody's talking so it just immediately put me on edge like i was like oh wow there's a lot of talking over people in this movie which most movies avoid because it's difficult to follow but it makes this movie seem particularly realistic because when you walk into like a a shop there's a lot of talking right all over the place and sometimes you can't focus on anything it's like i disagree with that but i know what you're where you're coming from you don't agree that there's a lot of talking i didn't say that i'm saying don't i disagree that when you walk in a shop it feels like this movie feels it does not because you're not hearing all things at one time you're only hearing what's closest to you and everything isn't just completely jumbled up. So Right. So I love I love the talking over like that 
I've never, you don't really see that in movies and there's a lot of it and it's good. I think it added a... It has its moments. I understand the point of it. Realism. And the vibe you get is very uncomfortable. I don't particularly love it, but I understand why it's done that way because it's this frenetic, super dynamic, blah da 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 almost like when you're at an auction and the guy's talking and talking and talking, that's what it feels like. And so what's fun is that there's also an auction in here that's very vital to the story. And I feel like that sometimes, like we're just getting this <laughs> hyper da 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 and the, the voicing over, talking over each other was just part of it. And how, um, so immediately off the bat, all that is happening. But the other thing that I immediately noticed is like we're following this guy, Howard Ratner, on his day, his daily life, basically. And it never slows down. It's just like this bombardment of, like, he walks in, he's on, like, he's like, hey, guys, I'm here to sell the stuff, you know? And it doesn't ever seem to lapse, like, he's just always True. high, he's trying to be high energy. I don't know if he is inside, but he's he has to put on this face. And that makes me anxious, because it's like, is he really being himself, or is he, is this just how he makes money, you know? Mm. He's dealing with this really, like, expensive you know this kind of like watches that you, you could never afford right like <laughs> like half a million dollar watches and stuff it's like this is places well, no, he was saying like 20 grand 30 grand for the watches but talking about million dollar gems and things like that yeah and like um fancy jewelry that like pop stars would buy or rappers or you know that kind of stuff i think they're just going by what's on the surface there lots of people with lots of money buy these things like all well, kinds of people. Well, when they're making like a point that it was like a rap. Well, they even said like the weekend we could sell this to him. Like, or mm-hmm, but I'm just saying, like, it's the kind of place where anybody with a lot of money who wants to buy a diamond or a piece of jewelry is going to come. And we've seen the re- the real life places on things before, mm-hmm. and they do seem like that, don't they? They they seem kind of low rent, but like they've got really expensive stuff. Like, it doesn't it- really matter, I guess, as long as you've got security. And the goods are real. It doesn't matter what quality of surrounding you have. So that is a stressful... But it seems kind of creepy for some reason. Even though it's well lit and it's... You know, you've got security doors and everybody's wearing lots of jewelry and they all look kind of upscale. It still seems really, like, scuzzy. And there's... Immediately, there's... You know, you can tell by some of the dialogue that's going on. There's also something dodgy going on. Like, this. there's a guy in there who's kind of paid to go and find people who would buy something here and bring them. And, and then get a cut of that. And he gets a cut and he's also selling some knockoff watches through the place. So it's not on the fully on the up and up. You kind of get that off the, off the beginning. And then it just goes nuts. Because we didn't mention the beginning of this movie. Did you like the part in the in the Ethiopian mine? Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's the beginning of the story, so... Because here's the story. An unkept gem is found in a mine in Africa, Ethiopia, in Africa. And then our main guy ends up with it. And he's like, it's like it has a hypnotic effect on him. Like, for real. He cannot believe he got it. He's under the impression it's worth like a million dollars. And it's really, really um, under... Under so far under the table, when it arrives in his office, it's in the gut of a fish. Yeah, because it smuggled it in. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. So this is the kind of like creepy shit we're talking about, but that's found 
in a mine, you know, and the impression you get is that the guys in the mine even are like skiving off with it. It's not legit because they're taking it without telling anyone they find it. So the whole operation is low rent, as we say. Yeah. So then you follow this thing, which is beautiful, isn't it? I mean, when you see through... Not really. It's just a rock. Oh, I I thought it had like beautiful colors inside it. It, That's what you're supposed to think. But I mean, it is just a rock. Yeah, well, actually, it's a rock full of gems. Yeah, but those gems could be anything. It could be fool's gold type of situation. It could be glass. It could be anything. But, I mean, you're given the impression. It's opal. Right. And by the by the film work and the lighting, it makes you almost, you're supposed to also get a little hypnotized by it. Which you do. Which explains why people get hung up on things like diamonds and jewels and things like that, that you feel like there's something magical there. I don't have that, so it never has that effect on me. I look at it and I see my grandma used to have a card table set up in a little bedroom in the back of the house where she had would had shined up and laid out all of the rocks that she would find along the road and the riverbed. If she was in a parking lot somewhere and she found a cool little piece of gravel, she would clean it up. And then she had this table... Where every, all these rocks and stuff were laid out. And she'd had some of them kind of oiled up or shined up or whatever. And they just looked like that. And they were nothing, as far right. as I know. It was just, you know, but she was mesmerized by them. The same thing. Like, she would pick those up and show them to you and put them up to the sunshine and tell you, like, oh, my gosh, can you imagine how old this is? And she'd read in the Encyclopedia Britannica, which she had the whole set in her house, you know, from, like, 1965, and read and tell you what all these, the opals and all that would be. But this isn't an opal, but it looks like this. And so I wasn't as mesmerized as I think you're supposed to be. Well, uh, what our hero, Howard, who's definitely not a hero, (laughs) you know? Uh, No. Um... He, it's a funny thing, the character of Howard throughout this movie. He's, as an audience member, he's frustrating because he he makes, he never makes, he never does what you kind of want him to do. Mm-hmm. And he, like, sometimes I think, well, you know, I'm watching him and I'm like, okay, that was a good thing, so stop there. You, you're all right with that thing. But then he always <laughs> goes one step too far with it. Like, And I'm talking about, he he's, does a lot of gambling mm-hmm. in this movie. And every time he goes to somebody to gamble, it's either not his money that he's gambling or it's not money that he should be gambling because it's pointless. Like, it's yeah, he of- will. Let's just give you a chain of events here. He gets someone's ring for collateral on the thing that's in his store. And then he takes that person's ring, which is an NBA championship ring, to a pawn shop and pawns it for 20 grand. Like immediately. So he can go and bet the money and saying to everyone, but the thing about the character is I feel like he's convinced that's fine. I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll get, I'll win the bet. I'll get the money. But you know, it's not explicit. It's just that... It's ingrained in him, this juggling act of constantly going from thrill to thrill to thrill, I think. Or seeking a thrill of the big win, I think is kind of how I ended up seeing this character. He's convinced this thing... Is the thing that will fix everything. Exactly. The one big bet, the one big game, and let's not forget he's obsessed with basketball. Um, The Boston Celtics. uh, Obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. The kind of guy that we might all know who will yell at the TV, stand up, jump around, and then talk about it endlessly for hours afterwards. And he's that guy. 
So he's obsessed with basketball, gambling, and then this big hit from this sort of sleazy rock that he's acquired. Yeah, and also, I mean, I'm assuming he's also addicted to just selling jewelry to people and making money, right? Oh, I don't think he's addicted to that. I think that's just a an, a means to an end. That's just the the road he has taken to get to where he wants to be, which is messing with that big high of the big bet. That's all I think he's really going for. And it's quite clear, almost from the first time he steps on the street, that there are people snapping at his heels. Exactly. Immediately. He, he bumps into people who are like, hey, you owe us that money. And it's just clear like that there's a, not just one or two of those. There's a whole... like. You know, yeah, no one ever really (laughs) firmly scares him. He gets afraid a couple of times because they they really do some threatening, but he's not like it dissipates immediately, it evaporates. He's over it within like two seconds because okay, like I don't know what's going on in his mind. They threaten him, they punch him, they throw him on the ground, he jumps up, and then he keeps going. Like it's not, it doesn't slow him down. No, because when they take his clothes off and stick him in the trunk of a car. Yeah. He, as soon as he's out of that situation, he's fine again. Like he's like, okay, I'm, I can, I'm back operating. I'm I mean, it's a dead. cumulative. I yeah. think the effect over time and all the things where he ends up does crying in the office at one point, but in the moment, he's just. It's like his thing. It's on a. He's a. It's his high. So, um, did you know the character? Was there anything you liked about him? Were you rooting for him? I was not rooting for him. I immediately disliked him. And the only moments, because I think that you, these guys who made this movie also are pretty touchy-feely, artsy-fartsy, you know, they talk a lot of like kind of bullshit stuff. So I think that you could also say that he is, you know, the uncut gem as well. Not just the uncut gem that's out of the earth. He's one of the uncut gems because he's rough but hidden inside of there. There's a heart, yeah. Not a heart, but like little tiny nuggets, you know, of something. Because he truly doesn't want to let go of his family. He really does. He like he, he kind of dismisses the kids and stuff a lot. But in the moments when he gets to stare them in the eye and tell them that he loves them, and he really, really does. That's the that's the that's the well, little hidden part down inside of him. When he's proud of his, like he's watching his daughter in the play. Yeah, but it's not enough for him, he's is it? He's proud of it, though. Yeah, he? it's fleeting, just like everything else. It comes, he's he's proud, but then he's got to move on to the next thing, like a mistress and the thing and all these people who owe his money to. Oh, yeah, he's cheating on his wife, but he's... Not just cheating on He's got, like, a woman in an apartment. I mean, that's No, that's what I'm saying. Big that's time. cheating on isn't it? Like, yeah, but that's more like double life. Yeah. Um... It didn't. There's not much marriage anyway, though. Like you can. Uh, when we get to the cast, we'll talk about Adina Mazzel's it's character. It's already off the. It's already off the table anyway. Absolutely. There's a scene where she's making some food in the microwave, and he's kind of stood oh there. God, that's one of the best movie scenes I think of all time. Yes. I'm not kidding. It's really, really good. It's like a family scenario that in a, in another dimension they would just be like hey dad uh, um, oh she's making some dinner yep. but in this one it's just there's nothing there between anybody the truth <laughs> of it is sort of like oh gosh you know I loved it that yeah. was great um, so then you know he goes through this it's, it's so um, stressful I think this movie is very stressful but it's very stressful very entertaining also there wasn't a second where I was like not on board with it I was like me too I was like oh wow this 
There's nothing I would change in this movie. There isn't a scene where I was like, oh, well, this has got a bit slow or this this is a useless scene that doesn't really... No, everything seems to play a part in it, in how it makes you feel. And if you feel stressed out, imagine how this mm-hmm. character must feel inside. So, And you're following him along the way and he's making all these blunders, which they are, they are blunders mostly. You know, there's a bit of... I don't know if you... I felt it, and I don't know if I should have, but I I actually felt sorry for him towards the end. No. Yeah, I don't no, know whether not I was even... supposed to, or it's just me, like I'm... Well, it's up to you. You're a sap. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I mean, no, were, from were the they instant... trying to make you... Yes, because they wanted... They said in their little interview, the director, writer guy said, you know, we want someone that you could end up rooting for. Nope. Not even for a split no, second. No, I, I didn't say... I, I said I felt sorry for him. Yeah. I didn't... I wasn't like, well, he should win the day. Hmm. But the scene where he was crying and she was showing that tattoo and he was just... No, that didn't make me feel sorry for him because everything that led to that moment was his fault. So nope, not even a sliver of sympathy. Right. Can dig it up. If you if you dig drill deep, you wouldn't find that nugget so, inside of me. So <laughs> none of the end of the movie worked for you. Like, yeah, it worked perfectly. I no, thought it was when he, perfect. When, she's, when he's giving the money and she's going to bet the money and then there's the whole... Build up of will he win or will he lose? Yeah, it works perfectly because spoiler, I'm pretty convinced it's not going to end well. I'm not convinced this guy's getting out of any of this situation either without going to prison or dying. Losing his family is not enough. Losing his shop would not be enough. You know, if some of these big guys come in and bullied him out, because I thought, is that part of it? They're just going to take over his shop and leave him in the street. You know, all of that would work. I would not have been disappointed, and I was not disappointed, with any direction. Because there was no way in this, and I agree, well, obviously I have to agree, because they said it themselves. It's an allegory of choices you make, right, that send you down the wrong path. <laughs> like, it's all, you you cannot compete with all the right things in life and hope that it's going to turn out okay. And I knew it wouldn't, so... So, I didn't yeah. have to root for him to be like, if that game wins or loses, his big bet, either way, it's not going to end up good for him. Well, I mean, there's a there's a scenario in the movie where he could win and then pay everything off and it's all fine. And good. No, that would not have that was not gonna happen. No way. Cause uh spoilers, he put some money on a big Cause the, game. Yeah, the whole story is too interesting, and I felt like the people making this are that feels like they're too interested in the folly of error. Like you are going to fall in this sort of comedy of errors of your life. And there is no clawing your way out of it. There just isn't. You are screwed. That's how I felt the whole time. And that's what this movie does because, you know, the end does that. (laughs) It's a big, uh, it's the ultimate sacrifice. Then again, that could be a happy ending, right? Because there's in that moment of euphoria, we won't, you know, just think. um, That was his ultimate high. Yeah. He won, you know. Well, that's a big spoiler there, but yeah. (laughs) Well, I said we were spoiling the whole thing. Okay. Um, How much did he win? $1.2 million. I can't remember. I think, yeah. I think that's a Like a life-changing amount of money that could literally, I'm assuming, well, like I said to you, if me and you won $1.2 million, we'd get, we, that'd be our money. But with him, it wouldn't. He'd be paying everybody Correct. off. And then he probably There was no, no end to this. No. Just because, there, that's not an end. That was just a, 
a sliver of a moment that he was living, and then it was all just going to go to shit again. Well, what went through my mind instantly, because he does end up tragically dying at the end, was his kids, his girlfriend, his even though his wife doesn't seem like... She would be upset that he got killed, right? I don't think so. I you mean, she would she, be on the surface, but ultimately she'd be happy he's out of her life. I think that was very clear. The kids... Uh, he's got one kid, especially, that thinks he's awesome. Right? Sure. And his girlfriend, who loves him in a weird... I yep. mean, that's a weird... Their relationship's really good, I think, because she, I, I assume, got with him because he's got money. Well, yeah. she works in a shop, so probably something involved with that. And then he got like a, a nice apartment to live in, and he basically visits her for sex, <laughs> is what's happening mm-hmm. there, right? Which you see in the movie. But they seem to need each other, like, and they really rely on each other when they're actually, you know, in their element, like selling to these people in the shop. You can see, like, he's, she's, she's got a handle on things, and so has he. Like, it's like a team. Kind yeah. of, but she would just ditch him in a second. If that weekend guy had, or the basketball guy, anybody had turned on, turned to her and offered her the same, I don't think, I think she would have been out of there. Yeah, she's, I mean. I don't, I don't think she was that in love with him. Well, then she came at the end. She didn't need to. When she come, when he told her to F off and chucked the smoothie off on her and stuff. She didn't need to, she came back to him like. Yeah, but she's, has no, she would have no job and no place to live if she didn't. She'd be literally out in the street. Yeah, she works true. in a shop. She He pays for her rent. So she's back because it's beneficial to her. I think you're a very sappy person, and you'd like to think it's a love story, but I think it's more about it's, it's, she's well, just riding the coattail. It's like it is a love story in a way, mm. but they're both messed up. But they know each other. It's like, and there's like a thing like where she where he passes the money out the window. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a thing between them that's uh, an unsaid thing that they operate well together in. Like a scammy, weird... I think she's just going along for the ride. Yeah. Was he... Uh, yeah, so he... What do they call it? Batting. Pardon? What do they call it? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like no. His height is, like she's way too... Like when we see it on something last week where they said like... He's punching above punching his weight. Punching above his weight, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there again, his wife's extremely attractive yep. too, so... I don't know. Um... So, yeah, it's uh, pretty tragic. Now, I felt sorry for him towards the end. Oh, I disagree, but I know what you're saying. When he when he won the money, and there was that moment of elation, but those guys were there. Yep, it was only going to get bad after Yeah, that. I knew it was going to get bad, because <laughs> I mean, they were just, like, stewing. Because they, you know, well, when we explained earlier, they have this... They, one of the first things it opens on is this door. There's also a malfunction on this door, like it wouldn't open properly sometimes. So... I kind of knew it was a kind of a curb your enthusiasm type thing. You know, whenever they show you something in curb your enthusiasm, mm-hmm. it's not accidental. It's going to play a part somewhere else in this in this thing. And I, I had a feeling that door was going to play a part. You know, when he was trying mm-hmm. to like use a chisel to uh, yep to open it and stuff. So they get trapped behind this door, and there's like this. It's like a Mexican the bad guys stand-up. get trapped between the two doors, and they're bullet. It's bulletproof glass, so they can't just shoot it. I mean, we're not really telling the story very well, but at some point this is happening. <laughs> we haven't yeah. really led up to this moment very well. Dis- I wanted it to be disjointed so you could... I get it. You know. Not understand what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
But that's how he meets, that's how he meets his fate, though, because basically they have to sit trapped between these two doors and watch the game that he has gambled on, that they know he's gambled on. He's gambled their money on. And see what the outcome is. Without They can't go anywhere. It looks really hot. They're all sweaty. Well, they're smoking in there, so fuck them. Yeah. Pardon my language, but they're just gross. Everyone in this movie almost is gross, except the wife and kids pretty much are the only ones immune from the grossness. You mean gross? They're just gross. They're sleazy. They're like... Self-indulgent and gross. I mean, they're smoking in a closed little fucking room. It's gross. And that's part of the appeal of it all, isn't it? It's like really... Appeal of what? The movie itself. Like, it's a a side of life that you kind of know is there, but you don't really see. It doesn't appeal to me, but I know what you're saying. Like, appeals to you as I don't mean appeal. I want to look at this world. I want to watch from a distance. Yes. Uh, You know, like, this grimy, like... Sure. Because... It's funny because, like, the the business he's in, up, up front, like, if you look at, like, the diamonds and the watches and the Rolexes and all that shit, it looks like some kind of very civilized, high-end thing. Mm-hmm. But really, when you're in this movie especially, it's, like, not, is it? It's, it's kind of slimy. It's, like... I don't think any of it is. Ever. Even, even, like, the basketball guy coming to buy the thing, it's still, like, he's got, like... The people around him are like leeches. But I have a certain thing, you know, philosophy in life even, that the vulgarity of valuing objects or meaningless, valueless objects, like a rock out of the earth or dust that looks like gold, I'm not, it's just not a thing that... looks like gold. Dust that is gold, shiny dust, which is is gold, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I understand why that is and how we've, come to base entire, you know, economic systems on that. And I'm all for capitalism and open markets and all that kind of shit. However, as a person to, if you put a diamond in my hand, I couldn't give two shits. I literally wouldn't care. Like if you said, I'm giving you this diamond, it's worth a million dollars. I'd be like, awesome. I'm selling it for a million dollars. Like only because that would change my life and the lives of many people that I care about. I will not value that diamond. The world will. That's cool. You can if you're gonna give it to me, but I will not want to wear it and then show it to people and say, "Look at my million dollar diamond," or "Look at my gold necklace," or "Look at my whatever." Like I haven't got that. I'm not judging it. It it moves the world. You know, it moves the human world around. So when I'm looking at these characters, it's also meaningless. Like, it's a meaningless drive in their lives. When this man has three children and a wife and a home and obviously a loving family with a deep faith, they're, you know, Jewish and they have their family gatherings. I mean, that's meaningful, like life stuff. And over here, he's juggling money and diamonds and gold and like a a side woman. (laughs) Yeah. And like the... The feeling, the meaningless feeling you get from saying, oh, I'm on the list to get in this hot club, or yeah, I know that basketball guy. Those things are vapid. Like they have, there's nothing there. It is an empty thing in life. So I, that's how I see those things. So when you present me with characters who are obsessed with that, I do not have any like I have no hope for them essentially like and so nothing they're making choices about even makes sense to me 
Because how can that drive you? I don't get it, but it is fascinating. You're right. And there are real people like that. So. Yeah, and I, I really like the abrupt nature of his demise. <laughs> it was almost like nothing. Like, he's nothing. Because that's the truth. of The reality of his life is that is the truth. Right. All, everything that he does is for nothing. Because he's, he's not, his goal isn't anything. It's all empty. Yeah, exactly. If he had made amends and found a way for his family and him to be close and then that happy ending and then he's done, it's almost like, crap, he's just starting a good journey over there. You know what I mean? Like a, a, a life full of some kind of meaning and now it's over. That would bring some sympathy. But when his actual best moment is the best basketball game he's ever watched on the highest bet he's ever made. And then he's done when he's almost like having an orgasm because he's so excited. I feel like he had a happy ending. (laughs) You know what I mean? So to speak. (laughs) But I will, I just, I'm like, he didn't deserve to die happy. He should have had a little more lessons in life, but Hey, I didn't write the character. Yeah. So, um, as far as, like I say, it's extremely tense. It's a really awesome thriller. You don't know where it's going. I couldn't predict what was happening. Absolutely not. Um, it's well-crafted, this movie. It is, like, edited beautifully. It's shot beautifully. I felt like, when it was over, I felt like, wow, that was really long and substantial and, like, hefty. I don't know how long it really was, but usually you don't get that feeling. Sometimes you feel like, oh, that was too short. I didn't feel that. It felt like, wow, that, I felt 100% satisfied with the pace the editing, how I got to know the guy, I understand all of his troubles and how he resolve everything. I was completely satisfied. It was a uh, hundred and thirty-five minutes. Right, not even that long. So, but oh, that's pretty. Well, it felt right, like exactly right. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, you sometimes like that's just just over two hours. Sometimes, if it's not done right, one hour and thirty minutes. No, 135 minutes. 135 minutes, okay. Two hours and 15 minutes? <laughs> Ten, five. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, oh my God. it's a decent length of movie, that for me. And, if, you know, over two hours, I like it. But yeah, this felt short to me. Actually, the opposite. I was like, I don't know, it's just edited. So, like, there's never a moment where I was like, hold on, what Move else? Move things along, or... Yeah, not this, understanding anything. It oh, was just this beautiful. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, that's a, actually a thing for good editing. That you never lost, like, what was that? Like, why does he owe what the... Exactly. There's never a moment where you're like, oh, hold on, I don't know who this guy is. Why is this guy asking for that? You know, it's just like, no, I understand this guy. And random people, to you, random people coming up to him on the street saying, have you got that money that you owe me? You instantly understand. You instantly like, yeah, this happens to him like five times a day because he can't control. And we know he lies constantly. So when he (laughs) literally hands a guy a watch, because the guy says, you owe me money, he hands him the watch. The guy, it's like two seconds later, another guy on the other side of him is showing up in a car and saying something to him. And then he turns to the guy who just, he just handed that guy the watch and says, what the fuck do you want? Get away from me. I didn't, I don't deal with watches. He instantly turns on the guy. Yeah. Cause it's going to make him look bad that this guy is saying to him, 
Is this watch real? I mean, he's, he's a liar, like an incessant liar. So once you've established that, I just went with the flow, like no matter what he's telling people, I'm like, even if we're seeing him in a scene where we don't know what he's really talking about, I'm assuming he's lying. Yeah. <laughs> like all he, the time. Actually, like trying to get out of trouble, like all the time. Constantly. And say whatever and do whatever just to get to the next thing. The juggle, the spinning of the <laughs> plates thing, you know? Yeah. That's the image you get is this guy chronically spitting the plates up on the sticks that he can't even reach. <laughs> so uh, going on to the cast, Adam Sandler plays Howard Ratner. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> he did... It's amazing. I said to you, I'm not a huge fan of comedy, Adam Sandler. I don't seek out comedy Adam Sandler movies. There's been a few I've enjoyed. Um, the golfing one. Don't even know the names of them. <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the water But did ball. you really? If you watched it again, you wouldn't. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. But I do like serious Adam Sandler, which doesn't happen very often. Punch Drunk Love, one of my favorite movies. Um... Which Adam Sandler fans, I read all the time, say that's his worst movie ever. Like, what the hell? But um, but you're I, also a Paul Thomas Anderson fan, so yeah. that's your crossover there. <laughs> so You're a reason for loving it. I loved watching him in um, Punch Drunk Love because it's different to what you see him do. And he's very, actually a good dramatic actor, I think. And in this one, again, and I see some people say this is a comedy, this movie. It even said comedy on the IMDb. Comedy. It has crime. comedy as in it's uncomfortable a lot. But and it's not like Sandler's not humming it up anywhere. No, it's it's the humor of like, ugh, you know that kind of like when the guy pulls the gun inside the bulletproof glass and he points it at Adam Sandler, and Adam Sandler instantly turns into almost like a caring person. He's like, no, 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 you're only going to hurt yourself. It's it's bulletproof glass, not like you know, go ahead and shoot me or whatever. He instantly turns. And then that's funny because he cares. He does care that the guy doesn't shoot the bullet inside the little room. Like you get that vibe that he's, he actually isn't, he doesn't try to hurt anyone. He gets pissed at the rapper guy because he thinks he's screwing his woman. But does he ever, he's not ever fight back hardly with anyone else. Even when his wife fakes punches at him, he, he really, really, it scares the shit out of him. Yeah, so he's not makes it different. He's not like, he doesn't yeah, resort to having a gun in his pants and he's like, no, somebody. he's like aggressive, but not aggressive as in threatening. This movie never resorts to gunplay, which is like, well, just the, no, not, I mean, on. it's a thing, but I mean, there's a gun in this movie, but it doesn't resort to like people wave like guns at each other. I True. mean, this guy doesn't decide, oh, well, I'm fucked here. I need a gun now. <laughs> he, d- he really doesn't, does he? He's just, he's just talking his way out of everything. That's Sorry. his deal. He thinks he can talk his way out of everything, which is fascinating. Yeah. I think this is a fantastic And it works. It seems to have worked for him for a long time. Yeah. The, the performance Sandler gives, I forget, I forget about Adam Sandler when I'm watching it. Like, and that's kind of hard to do mm-hmm. with Adam Sandler because you know who he is, like, and you know everything. You've seen him so much. Uh, so I was amazed by it. Julia Fox plays Julia DeFure. She's his mistress. What did you think of her? She was fine. I mean, pretty neutral. She uh, did that yeah, a young woman who's basically going along for the ride and will kind of do anything to keep her money coming in. Um... 
even at one point, he's pissed off at her. She's doing coke with the rapper guy. And she's like, you knew what you were getting into when you hooked up with me. So, you know, she's got, you know, she's got like the butt implants and she's got the big fancy weird nails and the kind of extraneous gold jewelry and the crop top. I mean, she's the epitome of what you think of. And I'm not being snotty, but it's going to sound that way. But someone who would come on to the Kardashian show. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's, she's like, got that vibe. She's like a sex object. I don't know. I think I think she's to him, anyway. Partially. And also, you know, she doesn't bring the baggage of the family thing. But I yeah. just think she was fine, well, but I was kind of neutral on one her. Of the, one of, I really liked the scene where they were in the nightclub. And then he kicked off and they went outside and she's walking. And then they have the argument outside the cab. Mm-hmm. That was one of, I really Very liked good. that. I thought it was like really raw, like she was like really yelling at him. And then, and then her walked, walking, yeah, the walking was really good. Yeah. So, no, I thought she was pretty good. She's kind of, uh, also, I really like the scenes where they're going into the casino at the end. Like, yep. Because she. I guess I, yeah, should give her more credit, but I guess I keep focusing on the moments of high, high drama when it, she didn't stand out to me so much. Um, Adina Menzel plays Dina Ratner. She was great. Howard's wife. Really great. <laughs> and you'll that know scene, her from. She sings. She's Elsa. Let it go. She's also the voice of Elsa. She's Elsa. I mean, she's not a blonde ice queen. <laughs> no. So that's what you think she looks like. She is kind of an ice queen in this movie, though. No, she's not an ice. Well, she's not an ice queen. He, she's not. She's a hundred percent correct. Ice queen is like somebody who's just no. I mean, she's 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 totally over him completely. Yeah, and more than her over attitude. Him. Just when she she, she don't even really, if she never spoke in the entire movie and just looked, you would that know would it, be fine too. Yep, you would know exactly what she's thinking because she's looking at him as though like, well, she actually. She actually verbalizes everything she's thinking at mm-hmm. one point. You disgust me. I hate you. I hate looking at you. I know if I had a choice, I would never see you again. Oh, and, I mean, and he's like, oh, do you want to punch me? And then she like fake punches him. And then when he wins, laughs she face. laughs in his face. And I'm just like, you go, girl, because he's a scumbag. Yeah, she she is good. She's very, that scene in the kitchen, seriously. Yeah. I mean, there is, I don't think she says anything hardly. It's when she doesn't say anything. Like, you know, when he's, um, I won't even contextualize this, but it, he's naked in the back of a trunk <laughs> and she comes to rescue him, basically. And just the look, she doesn't say anything. She's not even like. The look is perfect because you go in your mind, oh yeah, she's, she's this is not out of the ordinary. And she, also <laughs> it's like, she's like, that's it. That's yeah. the final thing. <laughs> the, yeah. I'm done. So she was great. She was really good. Lakeith Stanfield plays Demony. He's the guy who... Um, yeah, he was good. The watches guy. Yep. You, we saw him He's last week. He's kind of go-between between our guy and the basketball guy. Yeah, he was in the movie last week, uh, Knives mm-hmm. Out. Um, he was good. Yeah, he was good in this too. And he was like really natural, actually. Like like the... Well, we'll get on to him. Kevin Garnett plays Kevin Garnett. <laughs> If you're a sports fan, you know who he is. If you're not, you don't know who he is, but you know he's a basketball player probably, right? No. I would have no idea. I'd have never heard of him before. I had heard of him only because I'd seen an interview with Sandler about this movie during the Oscar season, and he was sat with him. And I was like, who's this guy? And then he explained that he was an NBA person. Right. That's all I knew. But anyway, um, he plays himself because... 
the plot revolves around this NBA player and why he wants this uncut German. Well, it doesn't really, but I, know I mean, what you're it's it's quite important. He's the third leg of the whole thing. Why he needs the ring and the thing, you know? Because we've got our guy and himself and his family. We've got the guy and the gem, and the basketball player. And we've got the guy and all the other money that he probably owes other people. So that's represented by his like brother-in-law and father-in-law and like the whole other branch. All these people coming up to him and saying, where's my money? And all the pawn brokers, all that. So he's got like a three-pronged life going on to me in this movie. And Kevin Garnett, who's not an actor but a basketball player, has to do some pretty hard acting, hardcore Acting. And it's not really hardcore acting so much as like a lot of dialogue with, Sandler, yeah, with that's real it actual like some feeling in there, which was really good. I was impressed. And you can see in this movie, there's a lot of real people, as we've said it in other movies. You can always tell when somebody's not an actor and, oh, that seems like a real person. Like he goes to sell some rings and the person who's looking at his rings is a real jeweler from New York City. And you we can, can always tell. Can we confirm that? Yeah, I looked at it. Okay. okay. He's the guy who uh, lent a ring to a rapper and the rapper. Okay, then. got it. So there's there's like real people in this movie. And also the other guy, which we just talked about, the diamond. He's called something diamond. He's this he's the high roller guy at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's a real guy. Wayne Diamond. You can kind of tell these real people in this movie. So when this basketball guy is acting, because we've seen other real people, it doesn't seem different. You know? It's, I thought he was really good. That's what I mean. It doesn't it doesn't seem like he's oh, that's a guy who's just started acting. It seems like he's just being natural himself, like which he is, he's playing himself. <laughs> so Well he's not. I mean he's playing a character of himself involved with this wanting this rock. So he's not he's not like a it's not like a he's just being himself. He's actually got lines and he has to be emotionally attached to this rock and then he gets pissed off at the guy and he has to negotiate with other situ you know around him so i don't feel like he's just playing himself he just happens to be kevin garnett in the movie you know a, what lot, I mean? a lot of the stress of this movie comes from to me because kevin garnett just like asks him can he take the rock because it bring him good luck in his game at the beginning mm-hmm. and then he just takes it and he's like yeah well, you'll get it back and a lot of the stress of the movie is like every time he says he's going to give it him back, it, like something happens that he doesn't get it back, right? It's like it's this, it's over there, this the the thing that is like your salvation, like the mm-hmm. thing that might save you, but you can't get to it. Like there's a lot of that going on, so that was pretty stressful. And Eric Bogzonian, Bogosian, Bogosian, no, don't know, ah no. He plays, I don't know. I, I put him down because I thought he was awesome. He has a really awesome arc, I think. And when he's sat in that sweaty glass case. So this I don't think he has an arc because he has the exact same reaction in the car. He feels wrong about what he's doing at yes. all times. He's just s- split because this is his brother-in-law. Well, he's married. Okay. Our guy's wife and this other guy's wife are sisters. Right. So... Um, brothers-in-law, second removed or whatever, whatever that's called. And so they're in the same family, but Arno is torturing our guy over money that our guy owes Arno. And I feel like Arno owes someone else bigger than yeah, him so. a shitload of money. And so he's tormented by probably his own bad choices and the fact that he has to torment 
threaten torture his brother-in-law without trying to get his father-in-law, their usual father-in-law involved. Cause that seems like it would be a bad idea. Um, Alex from taxi. He wouldn't put up with any of that shit. Yeah. Hirsch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is directed by the Safdie brothers. They directed a movie called good time with Robert Pattinson, which I've not seen, which now I definitely need to see uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they've, they've, Directed a lot of music videos and short movies about from this. This is like then big, you know, first big movie. Um, so what do you think of these two blokes? I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautifully directed, sounds good, looks good, costumes are good, sets are amazing. I don't, I can't fault it. I really can't. I feel like they got exactly what works for this story. I actually felt the same at the end. I was like, I love how it's, I love that sequence at the beginning and the end that kind of bookend mm-hmm. the whole thing kind of make it this mm-hmm. I don't know it, 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 that just elevates it a bit in some way but then watching the whole thing I, like I said to you earlier I don't there's sometimes in well I'd say in most movies there's a sequence or a part where I feel like a lull or a hmm might have tidied this up a bit uh, Doctor Sleep was a prime yeah, example yeah a little bit you know, like uh, it feels. Sometimes you're like, okay, we're we're kind of telling you the same thing three times there. It's like, why are we why are we saying this again? We already know that obviously could have been trimmed or something could have been done to make that work better. This movie, it just works perfect <laughs> first time. Like I was not like, oh well, you know, I would I would have rather him not go to that nightclub where the weekend is. But no, that whole all has a thing too, doesn't it? Like it has a. It's all there's a meaning to every single thing he does. It feels it fuels, like it. it fuels like how more in the how shit desperate is. the situation <laughs> is near the end and how excited he is because all those things are coming together. You have to feel why he's so excited. Yeah. I, did I mention the weekend is in this movie? Mm-hmm. You did? He, he sings a bit of a song, but then it kind of doesn't fully. Um, <laughs> also has a that's his he said it's the weekend's first um movie also i mean he doesn't really get much in speaking roles does he not really um so imdb reviews what do you reckon this one will consist of (laughs) people who (gasps) wasted my life wasted my life i need my two hours back most boring movie i've ever seen adam sandler should stick to comedy anything uh, that i'm not hitting here There's definitely going to be Adam Sandler fans here in these reviews, isn't there? Who, um, this is not what they want. All right, here we go. These are the uh, terrible. I give this movie 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10, I actually give this movie. I think it is fantastic. Damn. Um, uh, but these people give it a one star because they really didn't like it. So let's see why they didn't like it. Oh, I know why they didn't like it. Number one says, I got a headache. (laughs) What the fuck is this? Why the high rating? It's 135 minutes of pure noise. Noise, okay. All right. That's kind of a personal reaction, I think. (laughs) Very, (laughs) like, visceral, personal, physical reaction. Because it does have a lot of, like, the first part's got a lot of music over it that sort of overlays all the stuff and you feel it's a bit oppressive and then the overtalking is oppressive and then a lot of the sound effects with the clothes rustling and the doors opening and closing it's also very claustrophobic at times so I get what they're saying they just 
it's part of it. It's part of the story. So I feel like it was important. This person says, I have only walked out of one movie in my life. And I was trying to stick it out through this very chaotic, gritty movie, hoping it would get better. 20 minutes into the movie, my husband said, It better get better than this or we'll just go home. Sad to say, we made it in an hour and we're still hoping. The movie was the worst movie ever created. You don't want to root for any of these characters. They all seem pretty horrible. There's no humour. The movie has a lot of chaos, which creates almost an anxious feeling. And it's just because people are constantly yelling at each other. I didn't enjoy anything about it and I wasted $20 because watching reruns on TV was the better option. But they described exactly what the movie was meant to be. Yes, but they but, <laughs> like, but because they don't like the anxiety feeling, they right. do Right. Like what did they want? What reruns were they watching? This is the real question. Were you just watching like something dumb like Love Island or something and that was better? Because I would like to know the context of what you're comparing this to. This guy says... Terrible film. After the first hour, I was disappointed, yet I hoped the last stretch of the movie would be better. But it was so unclear what was really happening. Terrible film. Unclear? It's about the most... If you're watching it and paying attention, it's the clearest film I've ever seen. There is nothing where you would go, I'm confused due to what is... I mean, I disagree with that, because I do think if you're not invested in in the guy, and you're not on board with... You've accepted who he is, and then you kind of... Like I said, I saw the three prongs of his life going on here. I could see the three things, like, tugging at him. I don't know if that was by design, or that's just how I broke it down. Then, every scene that we saw, I put it in its own little slot. Like, oh, crap, here's the family thing. Oh, crap, here's the gem. Oh, crap, here's the here's the rest of his life. Like, if you remove the gem from his life, he'd still be tortured by all the money he owes. And if you remove that, he'll still be tortured by a wife who doesn't love him anymore. So I was able to, like, piece that all together. I don't think everyone, if you're not digging it and, like, really kind of letting it soak into you, would be able to see all that happening. And it could seem confusing, but it just wasn't to us. And this person says, it gave me a headache. (laughs) This is a different one. Horrible movie. Horrible. No acting, just yelling. I need aspirin. I wish I could unsee it. It's not, it's not reasonable. And here we go. I want the two hours of my life. Oh, there we go. It's on that guy, that woman, whoever that is, comes on every fucking movie and puts that out. I swear to God. This movie made me feel stressed and tired. It's the worst movie ever. It made me feel stressed and tired, but that's what I liked. Because Wait, is this out of the review? You're just saying this? No, I'm saying that. <laughs> because when a movie can make you, like, like there's all, it's, there's also movies that make you feel really good, like Love Actually, right? Like, there's a... Yep. Yeah. And when a movie can make you feel stressed and like, oh, God, please, like, is there going to be a break in this? Ah, well, that's also good, right? Even very good. You don't good. like the feeling of it. It's very good. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to create a feeling, I think, like a full on without, you know, going, being like ham fisted about it. And especially that kind of feeling. Yeah, because, I mean, Marvel movies and big action movies like that and cowboy movies from the 70s and, like you said, Love Actually and romantic comedies and then, like, the big melodramas, you know, where, you know, like, 
I don't even know off the top of my head, but you know, the big sweeping epics, they're all doing the same shit to you. They're all using music and visuals and themes that make you like tug at your heart. Like they might use a veteran story or a child in danger or cancer person looking to their God for to save them. And all of these things are doing the exact same thing this movie does. Like if you peel away what the actual things are, it's the same thing. They want you to react, to feel uncomfortable to be torn, am I supposed to like this guy? Do I know this guy? Does my brother like this guy? And if I see this guy like in life, I get, I understand better that these people are tormented or tortured or whatever. Like you're supposed to f- interact with your feelings when you experience art. Of course, I also am an art lover, all kinds of art and expression things. So that sort of colors my point of view on that. But to sit there and claim that this movie tries to make me too depressed when then you turn around and watch, you know, end game, not end game, the one before with the, you know, and claim that that doesn't you mean <laughs> like, infinity wall. Yeah. Cause the, that's going to depress you too. Like, fuck no, it's the same feeling. It's just delivered to you with a different method. You I'm know, fi- I'm finally, this guy says, somebody's going to say to me, are you serious? You're comparing. <laughs> Infinity Wars to this movie, but the feeling that you get, which is an uncomfortable, strange sensation of loss and grief and uncomfortableness, is the same. This guy says, this this movie will give you a headache. (laughs) In, In the first 30 minutes, there is loud music, filthy language, and a woman fingering herself in lingerie. It will give you a headache, guaranteed. All those things combined or individually? Very specific. (laughs) You don't, like, see a woman fingering herself. It's slightly implied. You just know what she's doing. People are so... But still, does that give you a headache? (laughs) (laughs) That individually, no. Uh, The combination is supposed to make you feel, and I think the compression of this guy's life is... By design. You know, all these things are coming at you. The sounds, the images, the editing, the... Yeah, that's some awesome synth music. Yeah, really it's good. It's like 1970s synth music. Uh, and it's real. It's actually like a bit too loud. At times, but, yeah. But it's on purpose. I can feel it's on purpose. It's also to add to that. Uh, all this shit's getting on top of me. Correct. Like, including this music that's like a little bit too loud. And it's like, oh, like uh, the world's closing in on me. Like he must feel in the movie. Yeah. So um yeah, I'm I'm all in for all of that stuff. I'm all in. So there is one extra on the Blu-ray, which is called um Money on the Street, the Making of Uncut Gems. I almost swore that. Um <laughs> and it it's a decent making of. It's like thirty. I think minutes. it clear it it told enough for me. I got I got to I don't know the the Safi Safdie brothers. Um I don't I've not seen much about them. But I feel like I got a good look of them on the set and understand where what they're coming for and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But there's no other extras, just that. So um, I want to say thank you to Lionsgate. And this will be a... I guarantee, unless we see just the most amazing films every single week for the rest of the year, this will be in my top ten. Of ne- I mean, you can't tell the future and it's only March. I so can't. We've got a lot of weeks to go. 
This is this is in my movies I've watched in my life. This is really Damn, high up. But that's what see you're you have I knew when we were watching this because you love Magnolia and Magnolia makes you feel the same way Magnolia, in a different way. Uh, definitely has the same Magnolia uh, doesn't push on you oppression. as in um it doesn't feel compressive, it feels depressive. Like you are depressed the whole time, like so sad. This movie isn't sad. Magnolia has the sadness, but it's it's crammed into your into your senses the same way with music and high emotion and you know a little it's pretty dynamic too. Yeah. Um they're not So, so- I knew that you were loving this movie while we were watching. Yeah, it. it's really really I don't know, it's really high up on my you know, it's gone right up there in my movie immediately. So um yeah, I can't really recommend it highly enough. I will buy you all a copy. <laughs> no, don't say that, because then they'll say you're <laughs> obligated somehow, some way. We will not buy you a copy. Mm, no. We will tell you to watch it, but now you've told, heard everything. It's kind of a bummer, because we knew nothing. Well, we did tell you to go away yeah. and come back, so hopefully you followed our instructions. Yeah, so that Nolan voids any offer that he just made to buy everyone a copy. So um, thank you to Lionsgate for letting us review this fine movie. Next week, we're reviewing the movie Bombshell, another movie that was in the award season. Seem to they all seem to be cropping up at once. So Bombshell will be next week's movie. Movie recommendations. I will give you Punch Drunk Love, my other Not a surprise. Favorite Adam Sandler movie. Um they're equal, you know. Uncut gems and really? Punch Drunk Love. They, Damn. They're kinda equal, yeah. That is high. Wouldn't praise. that be a great double bill? No, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would have to watch Love Actually at the end of that. <sighs> Even though there's a dead wife involved, because and a divorce and whatever else, bad uh, falling apart marriages and everything, but love actually, you would have to have something to re to like make you feel something a the, little um, happier. The love story in Punch Drunk Love, I find very uplifting, even though it's not. <laughs> even though it's not. Um, Anyone who's ever seen Punch Drunk Love, and now you're listening to what he's saying, I know you're doing the same thing as me. You're like, oh my god, yeah, it's uplifting. <laughs> Emily, Emily Mortimer, and I, I just like that love story. I think it's really nice, in a way. That people can find each other who are kind of meant to be together, but they're both fucked up? Yes. Yes, yes that's exactly what it does. And that scene where he's, where they're on the bed, and she's saying, like, and he's saying, I just want to eat your face and stuff. <laughs> and she's loving it. Yeah, I, I just love that. I think it's a different take on a, you know, it's not love, actually. It's kind of the opposite. But it's still so you're saying you you want someone to watch Magnolia and this and Punch Drunk all of an Well, drunk. that would be a good triple triple feature. <laughs> that would be the most. You would have to drink your way through that day. <laughs> You'd have to. It's uh, you have to stick some fluff in between there. Yeah, we well, do not recommend that as a day of movie watching. And my uh, other one I wanted to recommend, and that was just because there was loads of synth music in this movie. And I really dig it. Um, is Drive, which is another intense movie with synth music in it. Is, really- that a, is that a genre now? Intense movie with synth music. Yes, that'd be Drive <laughs> with uh, Ryan Gosling. Where's Ryan Gosling gone, by the way? We've not seen him for ages. What do you mean ages? He was just in that one. He was in like the two years one. ago. He Last was Man, First Man, whatever. Yeah, that was like a, two years ago, a year ago. It's just not forever. Jeez Louise. Where's he gone? And my movies are, I'm telling you, for 2020, we're going back 100 years and 50 years. And so my 100-year-old movie is If I Were King. I don't know what it is. I don't think I've seen it. I'm just telling you. It's from 1920. Who's in it? 
I do not know. And then the other well one is, <laughs> this is a bad recommendation. <laughs> Basically, it's just highlighting the fact that movies didn't just get invented in the last 20 years or since the late 90s when all the big special effects and big blockbustery things appear to have started. They did not. I can assure you that producers and big money people from the beginning of radio, television, and movies were all doing the exact same thing back then. So 1920, you had your blockbusters and the movies that they really, really, really hammered in advertising and on the radio and getting their stars out to the people and signing autographs and selling autographs. I was just listening to an old-timey radio show the other day. And they had like a little section where it was about like, what's happening in Hollywood today, you know? And it was like 1939. And all your favorite stars will be here signing autographs and da-da-da. And then it, you could hear like the the what sounds like an old flashbulb going off in the background. And then it had different stars saying, yeah, come and say hi. I'll sign your baseball glove or I'll sign your this or I've got an 8 by 10 and glossy pictures because when will you get a chance to get a little like that? It's not new. So even 1920 would have been a time when Hollywood was like a big deal. What was it about, if I were king? You're already looking it up. I can see you've highlighted it. I'll tell you what it was about. (laughs) The famed poet and vagabond rogue, Francois Villon, is by odd circumstances given the opportunity to rule France for a week. Adventure and intrigue ensue. Well, there you go. It sounds interesting. I'm researching what you don't. So go watch it. And then my other one is Airport. It's not Airport Trust. (laughs) I typed trust there accidentally. Oh, Airport as in the disaster movie. Yeah, not the funny. Not Airplane. Oh, I'd recommend that one as well. Airport is the one that started off all the disaster airplane movies. So Airport. um, And then there's like Airport 1970 and stuff like that. But this is like the original, you know. Are they really good? Um, I think I watched of the one times two. they're going to be, I think what people would have reacted to the same way as like Titanic for us in the nineties, like, Oh my God, the special effects, the, of the time would have been really dramatic, kind of like Poseidon adventure and, uh, towering inferno. It was in that time frame. They had their own little era of disaster movies back in the seventies. So 1970 is when airport came out. That's 50 years. ago. It is. So uh, those are our recommendations for this week. Um, the clocks go forward tonight. So you, you, your clocks have already gone You're forward. Spring forward. Not everyone. Not everyone in the whole world does that. They've already done it, and then we, we do ours last. Who? Not everyone England does it. did it two weeks ago. I know, but not everyone does it. There are even There's even a state in America that doesn't do it at oh, all. Oh, yeah, some people don't do it at all. I, Correct. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so spring forward. And... That's the only way I remember it. Spring forward, fall backwards. <laughs> yes. Um, I think it's ridiculous. And oh my God, for a whole week, we're going to have people bitching about it. They're too tired. Yeah, I do not understand this. Now, I'm not a great sleeper. I'll go to bed super late, like at two o'clock in the morning when I have to be up by 530 to go to work. <laughs> and that's enough. That's fine. So I don't have like this rigid, oh my God, if I'm not in bed by 8 p.m., I cannot wake up by 8 a.m. and be ready for my day. Like, I've always found that really weird. Um, I do not live by the sun, which like a farmer or a person has to work outside. So them, I do understand that makes a huge difference. But not just normal ass people who work in an office without windows all fucking day. Come on. 
an hour, stay up an hour late, or go to bed an hour early, and shut up. Go to bed an hour early. I don't even care which Basically. one. Something to where you're a little extra tired the next day, and then you're going to sleep. If you go to bed, that's how, you, the, the way you fix it is, you go to bed an hour early tonight. Like, at, when, it's, when you're supposed to be going to bed at 10 o'clock, you go, no, I'll go to bed at 9 o'clock. I'll change the clock and go asleep. And then when you wake up, nothing, you don't feel any different. Right? I don't you know. People will say it does, but I don't buy it. No. I think it's just one of those cultural things people jump on board with and then they think it affects them. Little children and people, some people who have any sort, like old people in a nursing home who are very regimented. I can't, I absolutely know that any changes in schedule does affect people like that. So I get that, but not just, you know, average normal people. The ones who bitch about it, it's not really that big a deal. No. So um, I have been playing some more uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 online. It's actually kind of cool, the online mode. You can. What I really like about it is you can do what you want. It's just like um, there's tasks to do if you want to do them, or you can just go around and hunt animals or whatever you want to do. But um, what I've found on the PC is, and I've never found this on the consoles in multiplayer games, is on the PC, nobody seems to be an asshole in the server. <laughs> Like, I've walked into a town and I've seen 10 people all stood around. And what generally happens in that is if you walk in and you, all them, they usually just kill you and steal all your stuff. Where they just wave at you and they, like, want to join a game or they, you know, everybody seems to, like, want to Sounds like do- utopia. Digital utopia. It's, it seems, well, it would be, it's very easy to just um, kill somebody. Like, you look at the level. Like it'll say, hey, Scully, level 10 above my head. And then I'll look at all the people in the town and they're like level 80 because they've been playing it for ages and they're full maxed out. It's very easy for them lot to kill me and just take all my stuff. But they don't. So what? Humanity? Is that? Are you complaining? No, I'm saying that's great. Yeah, it is Because on consoles, I, you know, I guarantee you, you will just get killed. PC players seem to, um, maybe, maybe they're older. Is that the thing? I mean, to have a good PC, you either have to have parents who are willing to give you lots of money or buy you things blindly without understanding what they're paying for, or you have to be a grown-up with a job and pay for it yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, a console, you could say is the same, but no, kids get consoles for Christmas sure. and stuff, don't they? So. Um, but no, I'm very happy with the uh, people playing it, because I haven't had anybody try and kill me. And you also is... love that game very much. I do. It's very... Um... <laughs> it's precious to you. I just like anything Rockstar do. I think they're the best developer out there. So what if Rockstar and these guys who made this movie made a movie? That would be great. With Paul Thomas Anderson and Adam Sandler. <laughs> well, that would be right up my alley. It'd be my, uh, I'd be the person who should be buying a ticket. And Quentin Tarantino. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what's for dinner? What do you think? Is it Burger King's Impossible Whopper? It is. <laughs> is that a commercial? It is not, because they, they don't give a shit if we're what we eat. <laughs> we only go there once a week. Well, this week we went twice, but that's just because I didn't want to cook after work. But yeah, we're vegetarian, and we just want everyone to know all vegetarians are not animal rights activists. We're not all like environmentalists. We're not all food snobs. 
Uh, we just uh, don't eat meat anymore. It's no big deal. It's been 10 years now, a little over 10 years. Some people will say it's no big deal, but you tell us every week. Yeah, because this might be the first time you listen to <laughs> us. And just so you know, like, um, I'm not a skinny little uh, waif of a woman. I am not... Uh, physically fit. I don't do lots of exercising. I have definitely not wasted away over the last 10 years um, because we eat other food. Like I made crepes before we did this. And are they delicious? They were crepes. <laughs> crepes. <laughs> don't try. <laughs> they were very good. And they're like wheat and rye. And then I made this fruit stuff to go in it with rhubarb and sour cherries and blueberries and raisins and honey, and it sounds a little hippy-dippy, but really, really we're not. But just so people know, you can survive, and yeah, we're not purists, so we'll go to Burger King. We're not vegan. Vegan is a lifestyle and a philosophy of choice about animals being exploited for human needs, and they're, like, opposed to that. So that's a different thing. Um, So we're not seeking no dairy, no egg, or anything like that. We don't have a position on any of that. Um, we just don't eat them. I mean, what do you think about being vegetarian after all these years? I don't really think about it. Like it doesn't even, people said, somebody said to me the other day, cause there was something cooking at work. I forget what it was. They had left over something and it was their barbecued something they'd made at home. And they're all talking about how much, how good it smelled. I'm like, yeah, it smells good. And he goes, well, well, you can't say that. You don't even eat meat. And I'm like, I it still smells good. Like, what is the perception here? Mm. <laughs> like, see, I watch a lot of cooking shows, and they're always cooking meat. Obviously, we do. Yeah, and uh, it never. I never look at it and go, "Oh, I wish I could eat that." Exactly. Oh, yeah, and it didn't appeal to me at all. No. I'm not like. Craving. I mean, it doesn't. It's not unappealing, but it's also I don't care. Sometimes it is, and I've learned over the last ten years that I think I always found meat kind of unappealing. I never wanted to touch it. I never wanted to make hamburger patties. You know. I'm rural America and we had a freezer full of meat. We're in the, I mean, my family ran a stockyard and we had full cattle people and farmers and we had a full freezer full of meat every single year. And so you had hamburgers constantly pretty much and steak or whatever. And I never wanted to touch it. I never wanted to put my hands in the ground meat. I never, if I'd pick up a steak, I'd use the little paper that was around it (laughs) to like lay it in the pan. And if we went out to dinner and if I had a big dinner, I would really, I would want two baked potatoes. You could have traded out the steak for a baked potato for me anytime and bread and corn and green beans and salad. And I could have left. So I was always bringing home my steak or my pork chop in a to-go box. And I think just never, you know, because the culture of my family and where I'm from, it wasn't even a thing. I didn't know any vegetarians except get this. I graduated in 1986 it's like a long time ago. My teacher, my art teacher in high school, 1986, was a vegan. And we made fun of her. And she was, she still is lovely and kind of hippy-dippy. But back then, when you think about it, she didn't have, I mean, it wasn't like it is now. It was very, that was the only person I'd never, ever, ever known who didn't eat meat until I grew up and, you know. So it wasn't something I was exposed to. So it just seemed like I wouldn't even have considered not eating the meat until Mm. I grew up and decided I have some health things I want to check into. And it seems to have helped. And I don't miss it at all. All But I'm not opposed to anyone sitting down and having a nice steak dinner. Just give me your bread and your french fries and we'll have a good dinner. (laughs) 
remember when we said that this would be short because we love this movie. This is longer than any other one. <laughs> nice. So what's your advice and then we'll get out of it. My advice isn't advice. It's just an observation that you're going to have to accept that you will, and I do, so I'm in this with you, we will all misinterpret everything everyone ever says and does all through our entire life. We will never, ever truly understand or know or grasp what another person is saying, feeling, or doing. Not really, because we're not them. We will owe even if we're close, right? You say to me, I love you with all my heart. I accept that. I don't really know, do I? I don't know if that, if you're saying that and it's bigger than that, like I am your whole life, or if you're like, I love you with all my heart, but then, you know, neutral, whatever. I don't know, do I? Because I'm not in your head. True. So I will always use my own biases and my own experiences, my own filters and misinterpret that in some way. It's, it's always going to have a grain or two off or a lot. And so when you start accepting that and someone says something to you or does something that you don't grasp, but you just immediately think you, you judge them for it or you decide what they meant, but you have a little inkling that nah, you're probably wrong, you know? Right. It's not, it's not a good observation because it's kind of shitty to have to accept that, but it is what it is. All right. Well said. Thanks. Well, I don't think it was. You can catch us on aschoolie.com, Twitter, Facebook. You can catch this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, RSS feed, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I thought you, you said all-, all this in the beginning. No. And mm. you can also ask, um, you can ask your uh, smart speaker to play. Just say, to any of them actually, say, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn. It will play you the latest episode. You can catch Sid Talk on Instagram, at Sid Talk. Email feedback to me, aschooly at aschooly.com. Don't email Sid Talk at all, ever. Nah, that's not true. You can, you can comment on, if you like, is it random what I post on Instagram? Seems yeah. random. Whatever I'm doing at the moment, you're going you're gonna to find out about. Gardening, cooking, my face. <laughs> occasionally pops up on there um so i don't have a theme i don't have an agenda i don't have any ads it's just the life of one middle-aged round woman you know yeah and uh stay classy the safty brothers and adam sandler because this movie was exceptional nice and oh think for yourself or someone will do it for you 